everything you need to succeed is within you now. And by being more self-accepting and more encouraging of yourself and be your inner champion, you're going to do so much better. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, really excited to have Gerhard Schwantner on the, the show here, and we're going to talk about how to achieve peak performance in field sales. Gerhard is the founder and CEO of Selling Power Magazine, the world's leading sales management magazine. He is also a keynote speaker and the host of the, the Sales 3.0 conference that attracts thousands of sales professionals every quarter. Gerhard is well known for his Peak Performance Mindset Workshop, which is designed to help salespeople achieve their highest level of performance professionally and personally. Throughout his career, he has trained over 10,000 salespeople worldwide. I don't even know 10,000 people. I don't even know 1,000 people. How, how do you, it, he's trained 10,000 people worldwide. Gerhard has also wrote 16, that's one six, books on selling, sales management, and sales psychology. Gerhard, uh, welcome to the show. Um, really excited to have you here. Thank you, Steve. It's an honor to be uh, interviewed by you. You've done so much for the industry, and I commend you on uh, sharing knowledge uh, with the community of sales professionals out there. Well, great. Well, I, I appreciate that. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, you created the Peak Performance Mindset Workshop, which is designed to shift salespeople's mindset, help them perform at their best, and achieve incredible results. First of all, can you explain what having a peak performance mindset means and how it exactly impacts salespeople's success? Well, a lot of salespeople know that they can do better. And a lot of sales managers believe the same thing. The question is, how can you achieve a state where you're your very best? So we all aspire to that. And we have created a path for getting there. And uh, peak performance means that you're in a state of optimal psychological and cognitive functioning. That means that both halves of your brain are working in sync. That means that you believe that you can achieve something that's out of the ordinary, that you can uh, crush that sales quota, that you can handle that difficult customer, that you can handle a really tough situation at work. And we prepare you in our course to do that. And I've been training a lot of salespeople and uh, I've changed my, my mind about selling over the years because uh, in the old days, it was all about selling skills and, and motivation. And, you know, and today it's about having the right mindset, the right skill set and the right tool set. So we have a much more challenging environment because sales is changing because of technology. You know, when Salesforce.com started, there were only about five or six CIM solutions. And today we uh, get confused by over 3,000 sales technology tools that are available uh, to a salesperson. So we have that uh, technological uh, challenge. Uh, how do we integrate technology in our sales process? Then we have that skills challenge. How do we adapt to the buyer that's disappearing and vanishing online? Everything is moving online. We have to be in tune with social media. We need to master all those new technology tools and 
change the way we work because customers are changing the way they buy. But the most important and the most overlooked thing is the salesperson's mindset. And it really begins by becoming aware of your self-talk. What do you tell yourself? And there's a study by NIH that says that we experience over 60,000 thoughts a day. And wow. the interesting news is... I, I think I have like four, but... <laughs> That's good to hear that there's like 60,000 in there. That's, that's, that's wild. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, 80% of those thoughts are negative. So people are overly critical uh, of themselves or they may be judgmental and they have an ongoing narrative about what is going to happen next. And um, I remember I, when I uh, coached a salesperson, we made sales calls together and I said, let's do an exercise. Uh, we're going to end on this outside sales call and you're going to write down where you predict what is going to happen and I'm going to predict what is going to happen. And uh, we made like 10 consecutive sales calls in two days and in zero uh, incidences have, has reality matched what we predicted. You can never predict the outcome of a sales call. but you can put yourself in a state where you become more accepting of what is and live in the present moment. And the present moment means that you are not preoccupied with what happened an hour ago or a day ago or a month ago, and that you're not worried about what is going to happen in uh, an hour from now or a day from now or 10 years from now. And people that are in the present moment can be present with the customer, for the customer, and they can sense the customer, they can listen to the customer, they can understand a lot more because their radar screen is wide. I'll give you an example. When um, Justin Rose was 16 years old, he almost won the British Open and he came in fourth. And he was 17 and decided that day, I want to become a pro. So he, uh, signed up and uh, competed uh, for the next uh, tournament and he missed the cut. Then the next one, he missed the cut. To make a long story short, he missed the next 21 consecutive cuts. He could not enter a golf tournament. So he saw as, as a sports psychologist and a lot of them. And um, I've read the book that the a sports psychologist wrote describing his work with Justin Rose. And he says, let's start with a simple question. Why do you play golf? So let, let's, let's transpose that. And I'm going to ask you now, Steve, why do you create Badger Maps? What would you say? Um, good question. Well, I guess I, I saw a problem. You know, I was in field sales for most of my career. And so I understood the problems that field salespeople have, kind of understanding what their territory looks like, where customers are at in relationship to one another, building routes, planning their day, scheduling things. I understood a lot of the problems that face field salespeople. And then I was working at Google and I'd done some work with Android and I, I saw how the mobile devices, Android and, and the iPhone were getting fast enough to run what I would call real software at that point. This is around like 2011. And I saw the Google Maps API was getting mature enough to be a, a base layer of mapping um, in a piece of software. And I saw other great applications being built with that API. 
And then, you know, the mobile internet supporting these mobile devices was getting fast enough to support complex software of this nature. And so basically the, the pieces were coming into place to build a piece of software of this nature and solve a problem that I understood really well. So I was kind of a person that understood a problem and I, and I also understood the, the technology and the solutions that would be needed to solve that problem. And so I was well positioned to start the company. So um, back to the why, you did it uh, because you wanted to solve a problem for other people. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, and, and oh, a problem for other people and a problem that I had experienced myself. So you wanted to make life easier for yourself, right? So in the, in the case of Justin Rose, he said, I, I want to win the US Open. I want to win the British Open. I want to be in the newspapers. I want to be in the headlines. I, wanna, I want to make money. And, um, you know, those conversations were conducted over a certain period of time until he realized that the why was very external focused and not internal focused. And, and when you make a shift from external to internal motivation, where the why is about doing something that, like you, solving a problem for the world. So he decided to become the best golfer he can be with every single shot, meaning removing the external focus and say, I'm not going to focus on the scoreboard. I'm not going to focus on what other people are doing in my foursome. I'm not going to think about the shot that I just took that brought me to that place. And I'm not going to think about how I'm going to land on the green. I'm going to focus on the shot that's in front of me and I stay in the present moment. You know, we are, we are living in the now world and not in the next world. So by focusing better and getting the best out of himself, he then ultimately won the U.S. Open and, uh, you know, he, he has set a lot of, lot of records. And uh, that's just one little example that the bigger the why, the bigger the try and the easier the how. And salespeople, I encourage salespeople to think about why do you want to achieve what you want to achieve? What is the why behind your goals? You know, a lot of people don't put their goals in writing. And what we do in our workshops is we encourage people to write down what they want. Secondly, visualize what it is that they want and, and then have pictures cut out, you know, print it out and then put it on the wall and create literally a wall of dreams in their office so that the conversation changes for the, from what they need to achieve for the company in terms of numbers, but what they want to achieve for themselves and then they help each other win. And the next step is that we have people accountable so that I say, I want to, let's say, uh, have a, a Porsche Cayenne uh, by, by March next year. And uh, in order to achieve that, I need to increase my sales by 45% uh, mm -hmm. over the next nine months. And uh, I I'm, I'm, will talk with you, Steve, on a weekly basis, and I tell you where I am with my progress. And uh, a lot of people discover when they know the why behind their goals, and they have uh, something that's really exciting and they're accountable uh, to other people for achieving that goal, then they exceed their goals. And we, we have people going through the course that increase their sales by two, 300, 400 percent 
and uh, made the best quota in the history of the company. A lot of examples like that, but the change in self-talk also comes with a change in in the way we design our lives and the, the way we think about our capabilities and the way we take action. And what would you say, uh, what would say specifically a field salesperson can do to, what steps can they take to develop this kind of mindset? Well, besides going through the course, uh, we, we now have uh, the course online. We have uh, 20 videos ready. And every day we give people an action step. And every week we give people a self-assessment and we encourage them to record a video of what they have learned. So we are developing a community of people that record videos and share their insights. So people are not just learning from me because I'm flipping the model. I have people teach each other and engage in social learning and community learning. And I think that's the best way to make progress. If people don't want to go through an online course, I I would say uh, become accountable to someone else and don't do it alone. Ask other people for help. We We have a very simple model where we explain the three levels of your mindset. At the lower level, imagine a pyramid. The lowest level is the implanted mindset. That's, those are the beliefs and behaviors that we learn from our parents or our caretakers or our extended family. And those are sort of embedded, like it's like a garden where there, there are flowers and there are weeds. You know, now parenting is not a perfect job. And uh, your role as a performer is to uh, continue to water the flowers and to get rid of the weeds and uh, stop watering the weeds and and remove the rocks. The second level is the implanted mindset. So when people go to college and uh, they get exposed to bright educators and uh, they find role models and heroes, so they develop dreams that they want to be like them and they study their, uh, their behavior and their belief system and they integrate some of their beliefs into their own mindset. And that, that is sort of the extended family. This, this is something that you can consciously direct and learn from somebody like uh, Tony Robbins or Dennis Wakely and uh, or the, the Six Sigler, The Voices of the Past. Um, there are a lot of recordings out there. Earl Nightingale has inspired uh, hundreds of thousands of people and sold millions of records. Um, you know, The Strangest Secret is one of his greatest works that uh, people like uh, Robbins and Jim Rohn and uh, Jeffrey Gittimus have, have learned from and grown with. So I would suggest uh, find mentors and role models and heroes that you can learn from. And then the top of the pyramid is the inspired mindset. And that is a, a, not just my belief system, but uh, it's, it's validated by a lot of uh, uh, very, very successful people. I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of uh, amazing people in sports and entertainment in the industry. Um, and, um, you know, Bill McDermott said uh, he's the CEO of SAP, but everybody has inner magic. Everybody has something that's special. And you want to recognize what it is. Uh, I remember interviewing Mary Kay a long time ago, and she said, uh, we are all born with an instrument, and it's our responsibility to find what it is and learn how to play it. And she says, unfortunately, so many people die with their music still unplayed. 
So in the mindset, peak performance mindset training, we teach people on how to discover their inner magic and leverage that and believe in that and support themselves and stop being self-critical and uh, changing that into self-encouragement. If I tell you, hey, I'm a self-critical person, what are the, what are the three bullet points on how I can stop being self-critical? So the, the first thing to look at is the implanted mindset. Where, where do you think that comes from? When you think of your mom and your dad as an example, who was more critical of you, your mom or your dad? And then all of a sudden something opens up, a memory. You know, like I uh, remember my, my parents having a conversation where my uh, mom sort of asked my dad, why is Gerhard so different? And he says, I don't think he'll amount to anything. You know, he, he's, not, he's not right in his head. Uh, I, I don't follow his thinking. I don't know where he gets his ideas from. And, and that made me more critical. And um, I'm, I was hearing that, that voice and, uh, until I said, you know, stop it. That is not something that uh, comes from within me. I don't agree with that. And um, I, I need to make my own decision about my capabilities. And, um, you know, one way, if you have a friend who is a self-critical voice, is to ask, what is the advantage of believing that you are odd? Or what's the advantage of believing that you cannot measure up in that situation? There is no advantage. So you can help people change and transform and answer their own question. There's no basis for that belief system. So you can replace that belief system with more self-encouraging belief system and self-affirming belief system. Like in, in our training course, we ask people on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love yourself? Is it a, a 10 or a three or a seven or five, whatever. Uh, a lot of people have a hard time loving themselves and it should be a 10. We should be unconditional in our love uh, of ourselves because there's no advantage in hating us because that interferes with our performance. And people who love what they do and who love themselves, they perform better because they experience the joy of life. There's a lot of fun in being fully engaged in life and not having those self-limiting beliefs nagging on you and holding you back okay awesome answer um what would you say the key principles are that salespeople should live by to achieve peak performance if you if you had to boil down the the key principles well one of one of the things that is important to recognize that there are three professions that need ongoing methodical systematic encouragement and motivation which is sports military and sales in sports i don't think there's any gold medal winner in the olympics or any medal winner in the olympics or any uh, basketball or football or baseball hero that doesn't have self-doubt. They, they all have the internal, they all experience that internal struggle. Am I good enough? How can I win? You know, what, what, what can I do to not interfere with my ability to perform at peak levels? And I've interviewed a, num a number of those. Uh, and, and I've also talk interviewed uh, generals in the army. Um, I have uh, talked to Marines. I have talked to uh, 
rangers in the army. I talked to Navy SEALs. And it's all about the mindset. How do you create that mindset that is resilient, that allows you to stand on your own fear and push through it and, um, and come out the other side and, and win that medal or crush that quota? So you have the capacity within you and you can push through. And it is, is not that, um, how should I say, everything you need to succeed is within you now. And by being more self-accepting and more encouraging of yourself and be your inner champion, you're going to do so much better. See, the biggest challenge is for people to be congruent with their beliefs and, and their ca capacity. And, and there, are, there are really two things that, that interfere. One is the past. And you want to let go of the past. But the other one is sort of what I call the, the zeitgeist of the present. A lot of people blame their lack of success with, you know, the system is crooked or whatever. There's too much politics in the company or in the world. Or there, there's too much uh, conflict, uh, you know, all around the world. And the news, are, it's also negative. It has nothing to do with the ability to perform. Um, you are your own universe, your own thought universe. You can control your thoughts. You can control your destiny independent of what is happening outside. And that's how the, you know, I talked to a, a ranger who uh, said, you know, he, he lost uh, 19 pounds in, in like 12 days on a mission. And uh, what sustained him was his mindset. It's the same with, uh, you know, POWs in, in Vietnam. I um, interviewed like six or seven of them and I met 160 at a reunion in Norfolk, Virginia. And they were tortured. Uh, you know, Paul Galanti is one of the, the people, an officer who was shot down over Vietnam, uh, his plane was on fire and he had to eject. And then uh, he pulled the, the, the face shield over and uh, he says, oh, thank God, the, the parachute is opening. I'm going to be okay. And then uh, the next moment uh, he was landing at a, um, you know, approaching a rice paddy and Vietnamese were shooting at him from the ground. And then they lined him up against a tree and, and uh, sort of staged an execution commando until somebody says, well, we have to interrogate him first before we shoot him. And then they, they didn't. And then they stripped, stripped him to his underwear and let him walk on split gravel until his feet were bleeding. And then they put him in an ox cart and uh, brought him to the Hanoi Hilton where he was in prison for five years. And, you know, he spent the best years of his life in that prison camp. However, the human spirit is so great and so adaptive. And, and his, his mind was so um, uh, in tune with everybody else, with the community, because they had a system of communicating in that prison camp. And he adapted. And he says, I remembered all prisoners uh, first names, last names, their wives' names, their kids' names, and all their birthdays, because there was not too much, uh, there was very little information coming from the outside. So we, we recycled the information that we had on the inside, and then we were teaching each other and supporting each other. And because of that amazing support system, they all survived. The reason I'm sharing the story is that I was so impressed by the people and how they adapted to those difficult situations that anything that we think is, you know, awful because we lost a sale, we 
over-dramatizing and people want to allow themselves to put things in perspective and, and uh, appraise reality more objectively and, and don't over-dramatize. The only way to over, where over-dramatizing is healthy is by dreaming more and beyond uh, with no limits. I think that is healthy because that's going to move you forward. Amazing story. So powerful. Um, can you walk me through an example of how an outside salesperson could apply these principles of achieving that they would they would live by to achieve peak performance? How would they act on them in their everyday life? Like, for example, how can you ignore the world around you in the way that you're talking about and stay focused on, on the positive mindset and, and focused on your success? I think the number one thing that interferes with everybody's performance is their own dialogue, their own narrative. And my suggestion is the number one thing I like to do and I like to recommend is to create a peak performance mindset journal where every day you write down what happened. So let's say I called on, on Steve and uh, uh, I prepared a, uh, you know, a three-page proposal and, um, you know, we, we, I, I discounted and I, uh, you know, had a, mobilized a lot of company resources to get this to Steve. And then Steve said, listen, we have um, had a budget cut. We can't afford it. It's nothing personal. But, um, you know, and, and now I I'm, I'm have to deal with that rejection. So, and there are a million possibilities on how to deal with that. I could say, well, maybe Steve doesn't like me. Or why, maybe Steve is a liar uh, because he, he, he has known that the company has uh, probably known for weeks that the company has financial difficulties or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of irrational thought going on that has nothing to do with reality. But by capturing this in writing and have a journal and say, well, I, I see Steve through the lens of my disappointment and I'm really angry at him for not uh, revealing that there wasn't enough budget. But then I, I can say, well, maybe I ch uh, changed my sales approach and I asked that budget question more often. You know, Steve, what will be the implications on your budget if you moved ahead with this proposal? So you give yourself a chance to learn by writing down a situation what can I learn from this situation? Because if you view the customer as an opponent, you're not going to learn anything. If you view the customer as a teacher, you learn a lot. But then you want to you want to keep an inventory of the things that make you feel good. Let's say you you engage in a random act of kindness, where you uh, you pay the toll for somebody who's behind you, and it makes you feel good. It's anonymous, or you have somebody standing in a grocery line and there are only uh, three items and they're behind you and say, oh, well, this one is on me. And, you know, do something really nice for other people. Or just make a conscious decision that the next person you are going to talk to, you get them to smile and uh, you listen very intently to the other person. So you do something kind on a human level. So if you create an inventory of what makes you feel good, you're going to feel good more often because you're beginning to know your psychodynamics. And the more you know your psychodynamics, the better you can manage them. So when you're in a good mood, your prospect is going to feel it. So if you are in that optimal state of psychological and cognitive functioning, 
there is no resistance. There is always more collaboration and your chances of closing more sales is going to go through the roof. All right. And th- I mean, that, that makes a ton of sense. What, what are some things or practices that are detrimental to reaching peak performance that salespeople could avoid on a daily basis? It's another good question. I, th- I think that one of the, the biggest things is to uh, be naive in your thinking um, and, uh, and to be overly optimistic or to use affirmations in the wrong way. Uh, for example, if I say, um, if I show up at this uh, meeting and, uh, you know, focus on, on my breathing and be very relaxed and see who's going to buy, there's no relationship be- between the two. Um, I, um, I think affirmations are an amazing, uh, powerful tool. And there's one application I uh, recommend. It's called Think Up. Um, that um, you know that, that you get on Android and on the iPhone, where you can actually record your affirmation uh, in your own voice and play it back. And I've done that, and it's very it's highly motivating. And what I learned from that is that there's a right way and a wrong way to use affirmations. And I I wasn't even aware that uh, there are certain things that are counterproductive. They don't don't work. Uh, and there are a lot of what I call false prophets out there in sales that uh, are doing more harm than good. They're not going to help you. And that's, uh, I, I want to caution people against that. And uh, the, uh, you know, the think up allows you to create your own affirmations, but they guide you on how to formulate that. So the, what is, what is um, difficult for salespeople that need help that they don't know how to shop for good help. I would recommend to, uh, you know, go and learn from people that have written either best-selling books or that have done TED Talks, uh, that have uh, winning audio podcasts, uh, because there's a lot of noise out there. And it's very hard for people to know what constitutes good quality that's helpful that works. Absolutely. And how should salespeople change their routines and habits to create that peak performance mindset? What are some simple hacks or tricks that you recommend for someone who's just getting started? All right. One of the the most important things is to change your state of energy. And energy has to do with physiology. So if you change your physiology, as Tony Robbins said, you change your psychology. Um, for example, just a simple fact, when you raise your arms and over your head in the victory position, then um, there are studies about that where they took blood, blood samples where your level of confidence goes up and your anxiety goes down. So that's, that's one physiological trick that if you hold that uh, victory position for two minutes, you have a complete change of state and you're going to feel like uh, six feet tall and bulletproof. It's a very simple trick. It's a very simple hack. And I've done it. I, you know, we, in our workshop, we, we always do it. Another hack is just to uh, play role play with somebody and say, Hey, uh, Steve, what makes you awesome? You know, so I remind Steve to think about, What's awesome about Steve? And Steve is going to come back because I'm running this podcast. I'm talking with Gerhard. I have 75,000 people listening to that. 
So that changes your state of mind. So you can have a, a list also where, you know, a lot of salespeople like to keep score. And uh, you, you can create a scorecard for yourself at the end, end of the day. Think about all the positive moments that you have experienced. Maybe you have seen a rainbow. Maybe somebody paid you a compliment. Maybe you, you're close to sale. But become aware of what is going on in your head. And here's the, 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 one of the keys for me is to do a mindset reset, which is, and let's do it together. Um, so close your eyes for a second and um, focus on just breathing. As you breathe in, you say, I'm aware of my body. As you breathe out, you say, I'm letting go of all my tensions. And you do it just a few times. Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. And breathing out, I'm letting go of all my tensions. And all of a sudden, you shift your awareness from out of focus to inner focus. And you connect with the present moment. Everyone you should don't uh, get ahead of yourself. Everyone should put, their, uh, put the podcast on pause and just do that for one minute. That'd be a fun exercise for people that don't meditate much. Right. A little intro to meditation, courtesy of Gerhard here. <laughs> I like it. It's... Uh, it's mindfulness. Actually, I, I read a book. I got this idea from a book. It was by some uh, Indian uh, guru who uh, wrote this 105-page book. And it was essentially about that one simple technique. And it's uh -huh. so deceptively simple that people don't think it's worth trying. But I yeah. think if you integrate that into everyday routine, you're going to feel better, you're going to sleep better, you're going to perform better. Yeah, there's a ton of research that five, 10 minutes of meditation can really change your, your actual physical, um, like lowers your blood pressure, you know, focuses you, like change, physical changes that are measurable in the body. Um, what, a, a technique that's similar that I've heard and, I, and I've used a bit is when you breathe in, just say relax and you just focus on relaxing your body. And then when you breathe out, you just say let go and you just focus on let, letting go of all your tensions, stresses, any worrying you, any, any thought that comes to mind, you just let that thought go. And uh, you just re you know, repeat that for 10 minutes. Um, a lot of people say box breathing where, you're, where as you're doing that, you're on the breathe in, you breathe in for five seconds, you know, four or six, whatever seconds are, are, are good for you. You hold for about that same amount of time then breathe out for about that same amount of time and have no air in you for that same amount of time. And you just kind of go around in the circle, you know, breathe in, hold for, and then breathe out, hold. And, and so there's four pieces. Make sure yourself going around that box over and over again. Another good visualization exercise when you have negative thoughts, think of yourself and of your mind as if you were the owner of a guest house where guests come in and they stay for a while and then they leave. So you own the guest house. And just with that visual alone, you put yourself in a position that you own your thoughts, but just for a while. And you can let them go. So if a negative thought comes in, you can, instead of fighting the thoughts, stay out of here. You can say, come on in. Make yourself comfortable. Sit on the couch. And consider the thought is like a traveler. And ask the traveler, where do you come from? So you are not your thoughts. You're an observer of your thoughts. You're an examiner of your thoughts. You're the host of your thoughts. You own the house. You own your mind. Very cool. And then you may have something from the thought. 
Very, then, very, very cool. Yeah. A, a very cool way of thinking about it. A great visualization with, you know, the guest house. Well, speaking of hosting, you know, you host the sales conference four times a year. What's your best advice for field salespeople to get the most out of a sales conference? And, and this is a, this is a sales and 60 second question. We'll do that section now where we, we ask you a series of questions and you answer real, like, you know, in short, short right. answer form. Okay. What's your advice for field salespeople who are going to a sales conference like yours? What, how can they get the most out of it? Um, there should come forward as speakers that are amazing talents. Like in the next conference in Las Vegas, we have Tom Ziegler, who is the son of Sig Ziegler, and he's going to bring a holograph uh, of Sig Ziegler. So Tom will be on stage with his dad, which is going to be an amazing experience. But um, you're not only going to learn from the speakers, but you network with 350 sales leaders and uh, there's no escaping. You're going to walk away with 20 pages of notes of things you want to do differently. You're going to learn so much about uh, people, process, skills, technology, and mindset uh, that is going to make a huge difference in how you're going to approach 2019. Very cool. What are some, uh, what are some things that people should not do? What are the don'ts when attending a sales conference? Don't get drunk in Vegas. <laughs> A uh, lot, of, lot of people like to uh, sort of decompress and desperately trying to have fun, but you want to husband your energies and, and stay in tune with uh, your goal. Uh, your goal is to find better mentors and better role models to hang out with smarter people because ultimately you're becoming the people you hang out with. Yeah. Um, after hearing many keynotes from, from top sales leader at your conferences, what, what's one lesson or message that stands out to you if you had one, one key message for people? I think that there are twin drives for success. One is technology. You want to be the master of technology. You don't want to be the slave to technology. And you want to pick the technology uh, that you like, that's good for you, that helps you progress, helps you become a better person. And not to be afraid of uh, artificial intelligence and the new tools that are coming down the pipe. The second one is your humanity. You want to connect more with people at a deeper level and uh, connect with fewer people. You know, the, the 8,000 connections that you have on LinkedIn, they're not going to serve you, but there are probably eight people if you connected with them at a better, deeper level, they can be the tide that lift your boat. Awesome. You've written 16 sales books. From which sales book that you didn't write, what, which one did you learn the most from? I'm a voracious reader and I have a huge library of uh, uh, sales books. Um, I like the very new ones and I like the very old ones. And, and there, there's some that are in the middle that, that are sort of evergreens. I like the, the, the history of uh, sales and motivation. You know, in the 1915, uh, Dan Strunk wrote a book on sales psychology that's still good today. You know, the, the Samuel Smiles wrote about motivation. And, uh, you know, the, there was the whole Horatia Alger movement and uh, the Horatia Alger Awards. Ronald Reagan was, was one of the recipients. And I like, you know, Earl Nightingale, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Dr. Dennis Waitley. Those were, were giants uh, in the field. I like, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed going to uh, Tony Robbins' uh, seminar uh, twice, actually. I did the firewalk. I interviewed him for cover stories a couple of times. 
And he's an extraordinary uh, individual, very gifted, talented, insightful speaker that uh, had a lot of impact. And I, I enjoy reading everything psychology uh, internationally. I read books in three languages, in, in German, French, and English. And I've, I find the different uh, perspectives that people have about the same topic uh, viewed from other cultures uh, very interesting and very enriching. You know, that there are a bunch of, um, you know, French authors uh, that look at the, um, you know, the American society that's shaped through the Internet and uh, digital transformation from a, from a different um, perspective, you know, where they believe that there is a zeitgeist uh, that's going to take over where we are controlling everything, pretty much everything in the world, that there's less room for meaning. So there is a, um, a, a trend that's, that's worrisome that we need to address, uh, helping people um, recognize that this is a, a world where there's an, there are infinite ways to be happy and to find meaning. Yeah, well, so many amazing resources out there. If you were going to recommend to a field salesperson to read one sales book that you didn't write, what would that one sales book be? I will give you um, three authors that I I respect uh, Anthony Iannarino, mm -hmm. and you can look him up. He, uh, he has written uh, three best-selling books. Uh, another one is Jeff Blount, uh, just wrote a book on, on objections, uh, on uh, fanatical prospecting. There's Jeffrey Gittimer. He just published a new book on, on motivation that is pretty amazing. Uh, I would say shop for multiple authors. There's so much great stuff out there. The, the way I look at books really is two ways. I'm on Amazon.com, I always want to know not only what is the rating, but what is the ranking? You know, the book I mentioned was Bill McDermott's Winner's Dream. And that is an awesome book because he started as a salesman for Xerox, uh, you know, hustling uh, copy machines uh, from one place in New York to another. Yeah. And, you know, he, he became the youngest vice president of sales uh, at Xerox, and he was given Puerto Rico as a territory. And uh, it was a huge challenge. And within one year, he moved him from number 64 to number one without changing much other than uh, helping people learn and uh, be motivated and become the best version uh, of themselves. Given that you're an expert in sales psychology and performance, if you were going to give your number one sales advice, what would you say to a field salesperson as your number one piece of advice? If you want to grow, create the right mindset, develop the best skill set, and select the most comfortable tool set. And you're going to be all set. <laughs> now that's quotable. I like the word. That, that, is, a, that is a quote. Well, fantastic. You know, th this has been an amazing show. I'm going to try my, my best to summarize the, the vast amount of information that, that has just come here. So I'll try to do a, a one-minute summary here. Having a peak performance mindset means being in a state of optimal psychological and cognitive functioning that enables you to achieve the highest results. Today, sales is not only about having the one right skill set, but it's also about having the right tool set and most importantly, the right mindset. Getting in the peak performance mindset is all about what you tell yourself. For example, negative thoughts might decrease your sales performance. It's important to be in the present moment and not worry about what happened in the past or worry about the future. That allows you to be present with the customer or prospect 
and truly listen to them and understand them. Focus on what's right in front of you and you'll be able to uncover your true potential. It's important to find your why. Ask yourself why you want what you want. Set clear goals and visualize those goals. When you know your why behind your goals, then you'll exceed your goals and be able to crush your quota. Find mentors and role models that can help you go through this mindset change and hold yourself accountable by applying this together with someone else. You need to stop being self-critical and turn your thoughts into self-encouragement and self-affirmation. When you love what you do and you love yourself, you're happy and fully engaged in life and therefore you're able to perform at your best and deliver greater results. Having self-limiting beliefs is only holding you back and it's crucial to create that resilient mindset that pushes those negative beliefs away. You need to make your own decisions about your own capabilities instead of letting others tell you what you can or what you cannot do. Your inner dialogue is what interferes most with your success and keeps you from reaching peak performance. One tip is to have a journal where you write down every day what happened in certain situations because by writing things down, it gives you a chance to learn from these situations and see them in a positive way. You can also write down the events that made you feel good, where you did something kind for another person, for example. That will allow you to recreate that positive feeling more often. Your prospects will feel when you're in that positive mindset and feel good about yourself, and then you'll see your sales increase as a result. It's great to learn from people who did TED Talks, have popular podcasts, or wrote best-selling books to ensure you keep learning from the best people. And you need to change your state of energy, which is connected to changing your physiology. One trick is holding the victory position for two minutes with your arms above your head, and that will bring you into a positive mindset instantly. You can even create a scorecard for yourself, keeping track of the positive moments you've experienced each day. Meditation is another powerful tool that can help you shift from your outer focus to inner focus and help you connect to the present moment. When attending a sales conference, make sure you really learn from the speakers and take some lessons with you that you can really implement. Your goal at a conference is to connect with top performing salespeople, find mentors, and find people that can really help you grow. And finally, if you want to grow, get into the right mindset, develop the right skill set, and select the right tools. These three key things, will that will really set you up for success. Amazing show, Gerhard. It's been so valuable for our listeners, I think, to, to get your insight here. Where can listeners read more about your work, and, and where can they reach out to you? Well, the first thing I want to recommend is go to sellingpower.com. And uh, I think what we should offer the listener is a one-year free subscription. We normally charge $29 a year. You get 12 issues. So every month, you got to get a recharge um, and a reminder that you can do better. Uh, there are good selling skills and there are a lot of selling tips. And uh, the second thing is go to mindsetscience.com. There is a lot of great information in there and there's also a gateway to our online learning program. And the third is uh, go to sales30conf.com uh, and learn about the sales 3.0 conference we we'll have on October 25th and 26th in Las Vegas. And uh, I, Steve, I'm going to share a code with you for the one-year free subscription and email it to you shortly. Okay. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. We'll, we'll put that in the notes and that, and that, and our, I'm sure our listeners really appreciate that offer. That's fantastic. 
Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Outside Sales Talk. If you have any feedback or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us at feedback at outsidesales.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe to it and leave us a review. It helps us spread the word and get more outside salespeople just like you to find out about this show. Thanks again, Gerhard, for this great interview. And, and everybody, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.